Here we go. Now we're taking calls for those of you who'd like to join the conversation. We're talking to our leader for the future faith of our leaders. And our leader for now is the representative from the National Freedom Party. The NFP is represented tonight on our feature by Ahmed Munzur Sheikh Imam. Good evening to you. Is that the full name Sheikh Imam or is that the title that you have offered us to use Ahmed Munzur? Good evening to you and welcome. Thank you very much for agreeing to talk to us. Good evening to you and all our listeners out there. Is the name Sheikh Imam or is that the title? Ahmed Manzur, Sheikh Imam. I'm not a Sheikh. I'm not an Imam. I'm just an ordinary Ahmed Manzur, Sheikh Imam. <laughs> Sheikh Imam is my surname. Let me make that clear okay. so that I don't get down to the wrong side of our religious leaders. Okay. Yeah. Yes, that helps. Thank you very much, uh, Mr. Sheikh Imam. Now, um, Mr. Sheikh Imam is a member of the NFP and also, most importantly, their Treasurer General. He's a member of Parliament. He speaks to us now as representing them as we had invited their party as well to come and talk to us about their leaders. I don't know if I can draw a conclusion just by your name. And as such, I will not even make that attempt, even though I think my guest might be close. But I will not guess, nonetheless. Mr. Sheikh Imam, your faith. What faith do you come from? Uh, the Islamic faith. Ah, my guess would have been absolutely correct. <laughs> okay. Now, do tell us, uh, you're, you're a Muslim in practice or just purely because you are in a family that is Islamic? No, I, I practice my uh, faith. I wouldn't say I'm perfect. Uh, but always attempting to want to be better than I am. But remember that uh, I come from a Muslim family, a Muslim background. Uh, my entire family have been involved in particularly Islamic affairs, belonging to different Muslim organizations, promoting social work on the ground. So yes, I think uh, uh, I'm very much born a Muslim and very happy to be. Yeah, I was afraid you might use that phrase. I was born a Muslim. Does it mean that you never take it? You never took a decision to be a Muslim. Well, very much. You know, we have choices in life, and if I had another ten choices, I'll make the same choice. I can rest assured. When did you make the choice? If you were born a Muslim, sir. Well, you're born in a Muslim family, no doubt about that, and you brought up with the teachings of the Muslim faith. And you grow up when you are able to uh, think for yourself and take decisions. You are able to take decisions in what you think is in your best interest. And uh, being a Muslim, having followed the teachings of our Prophet, uh, the Holy Quran, the way of life, uh, uh, you know, uh, my soul is the best thing to do. And I continue to be practicing my uh, religion, uh, 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 you know, to the best of my ability. Of course, I think there's a lot more that I can do. Many of us can do better, and I think we always strive to do better. Uh, but yes, indeed, I think it's a choice that I made to stay as a Muslim uh, based on all the information that is available to me. Yeah, my question was when? When did you make that choice? Well, uh, you know, as you grow up, and, you know, uh, the moment you start becoming a teenager and people, then there's an expectation that when you are a teenager, then you are able to make decisions for yourself because 
you know, otherwise the perception out there is that your parents or the elders make decisions for you. So it's never, ever, you know, crossed my mind to want to uh, change my views or my uh, uh, ideology or my thinking, given the fact that, uh, you know, I've been uh, 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 particularly uh, uh, associated with people from different religions, whether it is at the school level or at the working environment or in the political arena. Uh, so the opportunity would have come, you know, at any given stage when one thinks that you are mature enough to take decisions or you don't want others. And of course, the perception is out there that the moment you stand, you know, we had kind of a, a, an age gap a group where you'd say that if you were now a mature, you are a major in the country uh, based on the uh, 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 legislation in the country, what is a minor and a major? You are able to take decisions on your own. So in my case, uh, you know, it's, it's the, you know, I've had the opportunity to think about these things. I've had the opportunity to make changes or decisions if I want to make them differently. But given the fact that, uh, uh, you know, I've uh, uh, decided to stay a Muslim, it was because I was uh, well informed. I've done a lot of research. I've practiced my religion. I've been in touch and communication with people from different religious groups. And I believe at the end of the day, we must not forget that we all origin originate from Adam and Eve and it comes on. We are just one big extended family. Uh, and I think sometimes... Mr. Shibki, I'm assuming that you, by your answer, you, you don't know when you took the decision. Let me tell you, there was there was no need for me to take a decision to be any different to what I am. It never crossed my mind because I was absolutely satisfied. I think the question is, at any given time, was I at a crossroads where I needed to take a decision? And I never reached that. I was quite satisfied with the way I was brought up, the way I lived my life, and the way I continued living my life. And like I said, uh, having you know uh, uh, been in the company of all kinds of people, with different religious backgrounds, different cultures, different traditions. I chose to remain the way I am. Uh, it was a choice that I, I, at any given time, I was able to change my decision if I want to, but it never crossed my mind because I was absolutely satisfied with who I was and who I am today. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about your joining politics. Did Allah tell you to join politics? Well, let me tell you, I come from a family background. My dad belonged uh, to uh, Islamic organizations. My uncles, uh, you know, we've been involved in a lot of welfare work, sporting development, and a whole lot of things. So we come from a very community-based family. Uh, that's the first thing. And very importantly, if you look at it from a religious perspective, I mean, you can't separate politics from religion. What, is, what does Islam tell you? It tells you it's a way of life. And it gives you guidance and wisdom and direction in how you should work, how you should live with people, how you should work with people, how you should associate with people, you know, how you should respect people. And this is some of the, 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 the things that are inculcated into people. And every religion does teach you those things. It's just that we deviate from that. So I can tell you that having been uh, advantaged by being coming from a background where we've been involved and our families have been in community work, in religious work, uh, and, and, and particularly, you know, addressing the needs of people, particularly the most underprivileged people. I think it's, that's where I've really got it initially from. 
and that's when I participated in activity. I was a little fellow, little boy, what, five, six years old, and I used to cry, of course, to want to go with my dad, and I know they used to go to these meetings and, 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 and go out distributing food and doing whatever they could. So that's where I picked it up and continued that uh, lifestyle, uh, uh, which I enjoy today. So did Allah tell you to join politics? I would put it to you this way that, you know, we all have some uh, relationship with our almighty creator. And those are the things that are automatically inculcated into you. This is who you are. This is what you've learned. This is what you, uh, uh, the guidance you get. This is the wisdom you get. And I believe that he's the almighty God that has put me where I am today to serve the interest of people because we are all here to serve others. This is what politics is about. It's about doing what is best for others, not yourself. And I think that comes from almighty God and only almighty God can give us that direction. From the People's Assembly, as it is post was posted on the 3rd of September 22, it is suggested that you were a member of the UDF. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, uh, well, let me just also tell you, I've also been a member of the Action Committee to Stop Evictions in Johannesburg. If you remember, uh, those days they used to evict you from these buildings if you were living in so-called white buildings. So, so you know, I've been there with Krishnaidu and things. I've been there. I've been with the United member of the United Democratic Front. I've been with Crisis Caroline. But it all emanated from my childhood when I've been involved in community work, going and following your father, watching what he does, and things like that. And I think it automatically came in there. Like I said, with direction of Almighty God, that is where you know it had led me to. So after becoming a member of of, of the uh, UDF as well. I know I was very impressed when I first heard Alan Busak speak. Yeah, the words were just coming out. I was so impressed with this guy, you know. He didn't need to look at any piece of paper. It was just flowing out. Uh, and that was in Mitchell's plane in Cape Town, so yes. And then you then later on joined the Inkata Freedom Party. Is that accurate? Yes, for a short period of time. In fact, I was motivated by my former colleague, one of, I would say, the most committed human beings you could get, Ibrahim Sheikh from the Mirwent area. Uh, he lived, eat, slept, walked, talked, you know, people. He just served them and served them. And unfortunately, yes, uh, you know, he succumbed to a heart attack some years ago. But yes, indeed, uh, we were with the IFP. And uh, I was, uh, and I became a founding member of the NFP with the VZ Magwazam CB. Uh, uh, yes, in that short stint that I've had with the IFP. So I'm looking at the various political fronts that you have joined there. The UDF, a wide popular front, the Igata Freedom Party, and then the NFP, a somewhat de facto of uh, the Igata Freedom Party. Okay, first of Did all, you know, like I said... all these moves? Sorry, let me first of all say, like I said, I was motivated by Ibrahim Sheikh, my colleague from the event, because we used to head Crisis Care Line together, an NGO, and do a lot of work in the communities and things. And he was a member of the IFP, and I joined the IFP. But when I found that we needed more, particularly, you know, I was very motivated by my former leader, VZ Magwazam CP, the commitment and the passion she had in serving people. And being a member of the IFP, and I found, you know, uh, we worked very, very closely, and I could see that she had the vision to serve the people. 
and that's what led us to you know form the National Freedom Party. Uh, uh, and when we did, of course, uh, uh, and as you know, uh, you know it wasn't easy. You know we went to court. We wanted conferences in the IFP, which never came at that stage. Had that happened, maybe we would not have formed the National Freedom Party. But given the limited opportunities that my former leader also had, and yet she was a person that was really admired and revered by the people on the ground, and uh, we formed the NFP. And I think uh, uh, what gave rise to was the limited opportunities that existed, particularly, you know, for a woman leader in the IFP that got us to form the National Freedom Party. Before you joined the National Freedom Party, you you were part of a group of people that was voting for the ad hoc committee to amend Section 25 of the South African Constitution. Is that correct? Uh, yes, I'm, 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 I'm one of them that, that, that have supported it, although I am of the, the, the view that the current legislation uh, uh, provides adequately to deal uh, with, with, with uh, expropriation without compensation. Uh, however, and, and, and it is our belief that the, the department itself has failed, you know, in accelerating the process of land reform in the country. However, if this was going to, to, to accelerate that process, and then we thought we must support it, and yes, indeed, the National Freedom Party has supported it, because, you know, the first question somebody asks you when they meet you today, they don't even ask you your name. The first question is, where do you live? So your identity and your dignity come from where you originate, from where you are owners. And we believe that if you want to address the inequalities of the past, and we've said this time and time again, the one thing you should do is rather address the issue of land, give every family, even a single parent family in South Africa, a piece of land with a fully service site, and they will build mansions for themselves. Uh, it's worked in certain areas of Durban before, and it can work all over the country. So, yes, indeed, we have supported expropriation without compensation because we believe it's time to accelerate the process uh, of land reform in the country. Which party were you with when you voted for the expropriation of land without compensation? The National Freedom Party. And is it true that um, you joined the National Freedom Party for that purpose? Not at all, not at all. No, no, no. The issue of expropriation without compensation has only risen now in Parliament, not before that. Certainly not. Remember that uh, there's a difference between the NFP and the IFP and many other parties, even on the issue of expropriation without compensation. Remember, the expropriation without compensation is a matter that will also lead to the Ngonyama Trust land as well at some stage, which the IFP is a no-no in any event. But from a National Freedom Party perspective, all we want to address is that land reform must be accelerated in the country. And remember that that process that might have started prior to the National Freedom Party uh, coming into parliament, but we are there now for the last eight years in any event. And we've been part of the process and we have supported it. Uh, 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 and we believe it's the right thing to do if you want to address the inequality. South Africa remains one of the most unequal societies I understand in that. the world. I understand that maybe the position of the NFP currently, but my curiosity is, is that your faith position as well? Yes, indeed, certainly. Of course, I think it is the right thing to do. You know, when people of one uh, uh, group are, are marginalized 
uh, as a result of their race, religion, creed. There's no provision for me in terms of my faith, and I think it's the right thing to do if we want to create a better quality of life for people and a more equal society. Yes, indeed, it's the right thing to do. Expropriation means taking away from somebody, and yet we have land that remains a fallow. Why not take the land that is not owned and give it to the people? Why expropriate? Well, let me tell you, first of all, expropriation is provided for in the Constitution already. I in understand. Fact, I'm speaking felt, about your yes, faith yes. position there. Yes. Well, let me just tell you, first of all, land was taken away from ordinary South Africans, brutally, if that's the term I should use. Okay? And all we are saying is give back the land to its rightful owners. We are not saying take away land that was not taken away from somebody. And that I think we must make very, very clear. The NFP position is very simple. Take back the land that was taken unlawfully from the people and give back to the people whose land were taken away. And I want to reiterate one point, which is the NFP that even went on to say, we don't want compensation for our people. We want the land. You must take back the land. I understand that is your... Mr. Sheikh Imam, I do understand that's your political position. I was asking it from the from the religious perspective. Your perspective from the religious community that you come from. Does Islam yes. support the idea of dispossessing people, whereas no. the very same objective of giving people land can be achieved without dispossessing people? No. Islam will be very, very clear on that. You cannot take away from somebody anything that does not belong to you. You cannot unduly violate the rights of anyone. And there's no compromise in terms of the Islam when it comes to that. So what we are saying is if you have taken away the land from the people, give the land back to the people you have taken it. We are not asking you to take land from anybody who has not taken away the land. Expropriation without compensation. The thrust of my question there, Mr. Sheikh Imam. The the thrust of my question is we are able today in South Africa we are able to give people land without taking away land. The wrong that was done then was to take away land from people. And expropriation simply implies do the same thing. We're going to take away land from people. Why not take land that is not possessed currently and give to those who need it? Well, let me start off by saying that 8% of the people own 80% of the land in South Africa. So if you want to address the needs of the people in the country with 8% owning 80% of the land in the country, you're not going to be able to get the first thing. The second thing, let's address. You have unduly taken away the land from somebody else and we are saying take back the land and give it to those people. But the reason why you've come with expropriation without compensation, remember, you have addressed the issue of a willing buyer, willing seller. It has never kicked off because there are those that are reluctant to be able to give. And we are also saying, don't take the land away for the sake of taking away the land from A to give it to B. If you're taking it from A and giving it to B, B must make use of that land. Make sure that it is productive, not for the purposes of just giving it away. But what is important to note, that people's rights were violated when the land was taken away from them. And that land should be given back to the people. Now, you cannot... So that's an eye for an eye, what you're saying? Sorry? So you're practicing an eye for an eye. You took away land and now we're going to take away land too. Well, if you want to address, if you want to address the inequalities of the past and the atrocities that were committed, we are saying you need to take away the land. Now, let, let us be very clear about something else. 
some of the land that people are sitting on at the moment are not necessarily taken away from others. They might have, over the period of time, acquired those land, and that is why we are saying that you need to address them. Because not everybody that, you know, like some of us say, land has been stolen. Not everyone that is in possession of land today have stolen the land. And if that is the case, then of course it's a matter that needs to be addressed. But land that is right. available, that land that is wooden, the, uh, 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 that people own today, that have unduly taken it and enriched themselves, certainly must be taken back to address and give back to the people whom it was taken away All from. Right. Our time is up there, Mr. Sheikh Imam. Thank you very much. Unfortunately, our time has come to an end. We need to conclude our conversation there. If the land was available, there would not be a need to expropriate. But we're going to end our conversation on that note. Ahmed Munsur Sheikh Imam, thank you. From me, Nayelu Pondona, and the team, have a wonderful evening and Godspeed. Up next, the news at nine with Nomsan Louis.